my goodness, you finally missed one. <laughs> I'm distracted by all these random chords that I have on the, the desk. Like, what sure. does this do? Well, hi, diddly-ho, Effers. I'm your host, Internet Keith, and welcome to the Titans edition of Football and Other F-Words. Today, we're talking about Titans news. We're talking about that win. Hey, it's a win, bud. <laughs> we were talking about that win that we had against the Jets. It was a Jets exciting come from behind loss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we're also going to preview the Jags game a little bit. So uh, as is tradition, I'm joined by some hooligans. This first guy, uh, he he had a few beers last night. It's uh, Zebo. How you feeling, Zebo? Uh, last night. I think it's because the only thing that we had in our house that really tasted good after all the beer and pizza was an energy drink. Mm -hmm. I did not get any sleep last night. (laughs) My my heart was just pounding like a mile a minute. Not a great uh, midnight drink. I I dry heaved all morning. (laughs) Nothing would come out. I was just praying for actual puke to come out. (laughs) That's not a good morning. No, no, it's Uh, not. And uh, we also have Mr. Lebowski. How are you doing, Mr. Lebowski? How are you feeling? Not you know, not as bad as you two probably feel, but uh, <laughs> I don't I, know what you're trying to say. <laughs> but I, I didn't. It's not exactly like I stayed too sober. I spent the first three quarters of the game drinking, and then I I literally spent the entire second and almost third quarter hardly paying attention to the game and just tweeting out pictures of people wearing like Tim Tebow jerseys. <laughs> uh, I saw a Jason Witten orange Tennessee jersey, and wow. I was having a good time with that. And then the Titans got the there shit were out. a shocking amount of uh, questionable Jets jerseys yes, that yeah. we saw. We He's, saw Wayne Corbett, Lavernius Cole. That yeah. that brought back some good Lavernius fantasy football Coles, yeah. memories. And then uh, Neil O'Donnell. We saw a yeah. Tebow jersey, a, a, Jets, a Jets Neil Tebow. O'Donnell jersey. The Jets yeah. Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> that was the strangest little, one. That's, that's strange. Yeah. I'm actually more okay with that than I am a Jets Tebow jersey. Yeah, there was a Favre jersey there. There was a Favre. There was a uh, there was a faded uh, Chad Pennington oh, jersey. Oh yeah, that thing was that would think it was, was wore yeah. out. Like it must be washed like every day. Yeah. And then there was the the questionable assortment of I saw a Philip Rivers Chargers jersey. I mean, it's like why? I just I'll never understand people who just decide I'm going to a football game. I'm just going to put on football something apparel. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. Uh, as always, today's podcast is brought to you by an F word, and today's F word is foobar. As in Zach and I got foobar at the game last night. If you can't tell, we uh, we're recording this a little earlier than usual. Recording it on a Monday night. So uh, if something comes out, we beg your apologies. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's get a word from our sponsors here. So it's time to drive on over to ForTheVille615.com today and get free shipping on all orders over $100 with every purchase made. Donation is made to the Nashville Predators Foundation. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at, at ForTheVille615. ForTheVille615.com. They'll drive you there. Sometimes I look around my closet and it is so stinking clear that I can't help but ask myself why these shirts look like rear. Then a new shirt appears. You've heard it all before, but it saves you from the plague. And they're slick as harp seals. They're called for the Ville 615. And they'll always have the deals. Your nipples will never bleed when you wear 
for the Bill 615, yeah. Even if you're in Beijing, they'll ship there. They'll ship there. So if I need a shirt to match my pants for the Bill 615, so I choose Spain over Klein. For the Ville 6 with 5 oh, 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 oh. Time to skip the men's store And it's time to find a shirt For the National Underground But lately I'm beginning to find That when I dress myself These shirts are found your nipples will never bleed when you wear For the Bill 615, yeah Even if you're in Beijing, they'll ship there They'll ship there Alright, well, let's start talking about this Jets game that feels... Like the worst win in Titans history in a way. So, so I want to talk about this because there's, first off, there's a lot of negative, the tweets, I, I stay off Twitter during the game mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I thoroughly, <laughs> I thoroughly stir it. He's in, he's in elbows deep yeah. with both hands. The, the fact that, you know, I'm already talking to a bunch of people at the game, watching the game, drinking at the game. I just don't have time for right. something else to take away my, uh, my attention span. Sure. And uh, I get on this morning, you, you get on the timeline, it shows you tweets from like 15 hours ago or whatever, and the amount of fire Vrabel tweets, Jeez. and this team sucks, and this team is this, this team is that, it's, uh, it was pretty disheartening, and it just shows the lack of patience with our fan base. But I'm going to say this, a win's a win. Yeah. Okay, it was ugly, but yeah. you got to remember the Colts barely beat the Dolphins last week, and they go and lose the Jaguars 6-0. to in this league, it doesn't matter how you win; you just need to win. Yeah. And so I'm gonna walk. I'm new attitude here. I'm walking away feeling pretty good about the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, screw it. I mean, we got away with a win. Uh, any other Titans team probably would have lost that game and never yeah, would have came back for sure. And uh, there's a lot of positives to take away. Corey Davis looks great, of course. Taewon Taylor looked like the deep threat we've been missing. Mm-hmm. He actually caught the ball, too, when it was thrown his way. Yeah. Don't forget Ferkser. Yeah. Uh, get Ferks. We'll never forget Ferkser. Yeah. I mean, How he, can we when he's going to go to the Pro Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, still on that. But then, and then Marcus you know, pulled himself out of it and just went apeshit in that second half and went, and went nuts. And that's, a lot of people are like, well, he never should be you know, in that position constantly to be on all these game-winning drives or this and that. That's his fucking job. Yeah, his job is to go out there and win the game. It doesn't matter when he does it or how he does it. Just go out there and fucking win the game. So you know what? I'm going to bring the fucking heat on that topic because what you saw to Marcus yesterday is what you want from a can we all say it together franchise yeah. quarterback. I mean, I, he played not great for the right. first half of the game, first three quarters of the game. It took him a while to get it together, but you you've never had a doubt in the past about this man giving up and he didn't give up yesterday and it's because of him that the Titans won the game yeah. and even the 
I mean, yes, the long run that he had that he ultimately fumbled the ball and recovered his own fumble, which I'm not even sure how he quite did that. Yeah, that didn't like, make sense to me when I watched it. It's still it so like, weird. The, the fact that he's not willing to give up and try to find a way to win a game when everybody else had pretty much given up. I had. I mean, yeah. I'd given up on the game. I, I'm a little ashamed to say that as supposed to be a loyal fan, but hell, by the first quarter, we were standing yeah. <laughs> in the back just drinking and bullshitting. And it's like, oh, they're running plays out there. But but no, <laughs> to kind of wrap it up and get back to, to Mariota for a second, that, that to me just really solidified it to me that he's he's – he is the franchise quarterback of the Titans. And, and good quarterbacks pull themselves out of a game. They, good quarterbacks elevate the team around them. And that's one thing that I know Big Mike's not here, but that's one thing he's always banged the table about. Possibly the thing about Marcus is he doesn't seem to elevate everybody around him. Well, this game he did. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to a couple people, and they're unhappy with how the offenses looked because of the expectations heading into the season. Ever since the bye week, Marcus has been great. Mm-hmm. He's been better than Malarkey Marcus. And yep. the, it, it's the whole team is better offensively. Yeah, our run game is still kind of trash. And it's even though we were averaging pretty good uh, yards per carry yesterday, it just didn't – there's no effect our run game has on the team. Right. But the passing game is totally revamped and is totally better. And it's actually probably with lesser talent around him. But the lesser talent, he's elevated them, but they've also stepped up to elevate to his level too. Sure. Ferkser, Johnny Smith, Taewon Taylor, Cameron Batson. I mean, these guys are playing out of their mind right now. And, it again, ugly for a couple of quarters, but there's some good, genuine takeaway from it, yeah. from this game. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the second half performance, uh, when we did open up the playbook and start throwing deep and started acting aggressive, yeah, kind of spotlighted the first half and some of the issues that some people have had with the play calling and the game scripts for from Lafleur. It's it's baffling to me that we see this. We've seen this multiple times this year, where we get behind and we have to play and we're throwing the ball deep and it's working and he's throwing it accurate, accurately deep. And it just in it, it it makes me insane a little bit that we don't do that in the opening drive in the first half. Like we we insist on running the ball. I understand you can't abandon the run. I understand all that, but we need to be taking shots downfield early. We need to get out in front of stuff. That's what good teams do. But let's hope that the Titans offensively turned a small corner yesterday. Maybe I'm overreacting. I just haven't been paying attention enough, but. Did we not see a shift in the offense in the late third, fourth quarter when it looked like the team had no chance in coming back and suddenly all of a sudden the running game did start working a little bit and all of a sudden the the downfield threat did work a little bit. And then, of course, a lot of that is on Marcus just getting up and driving the will to get it done. But was there a shift in play calling? Obviously, there was a shift on the line. I mean, who did they, who did they sub on the line yesterday? Uh, Spain went out and they shifted Ben Jones from center over to left guard and then put Corey Levin in at center. So, do yeah. we give that credit in the shift we saw in Derrick Henry? Because Derrick Henry Probably. suddenly started running the ball more he, effectively. He, 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 Corey Levin adds uh, – he's huge. Yeah, so he, he adds, he's, he's not, he's not very fast or anything, but he adds power. So that probably helps running up the middle. So, I mean, are we, I mean, are we willing to sit here and say that maybe possibly the Titans offense turned a small corner yesterday as far as the play calling? I haven't, 
I haven't watched the game back. I'm not sure exactly when that uh, substitution took place. Right. But yeah, hell, well, we neither none three of us, and I've been asking people that were at the game in the suite yeah. like all day today. I said y'all, y'all even know <laughs> that this happened? <laughs> right. We didn't. You're talking about watching the game back. I didn't watch it all the way through the first time. But no, but in all seriousness, I. I I would actually like to see the all 22 on yeah. this one and see where the game shifts. It's games like this where they're so damn frustrating and the team just has nothing going right. And then somehow the Titans find a way to win. Yeah. That to me is kind of interesting to want to go back and, and find what was the shift in the dynamic. Is it just the jets being a three and nine team and they just shit the bed or did the Titans make adjustments on the line and it started working for us? Or did Marcus will it to be and it happened? Or was it a combination of all three? I don't know. I, I would it's really probably like a back. combination if yeah. I had to guess. But, yeah, it would be interesting to see when that change occurred. And Yeah, I tried to get that nailed down by some people today. And no, I guess everybody just ignored me. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> uh, the I, I think another big takeaway from it is are the shots going deep? The Marcus hasn't thrown a pass for 40 net air yards or more all year, and he threw two this game. Mm. And they were both spot-on great balls. And I think that has a the reason – I think a lot of the reason for the offensive woes in the first half, too, is also his base. And you've seen a lot of people talk about it. Man. Yeah, it was I one think, of the main focuses yeah, in the preseason. I think Chad Witherow, he went a little hard on it. Uh, he he kind of went like a little extreme talking about, you know, this is why, you know, he's not sold on Marcus and stuff. Quarterbacks don't set their feet a lot. Mm-hmm. But when Marcus doesn't do it, and, and of course you are, you know, you're a fan of the team that your quarterback is doing that for, you're always going to probably overreact to that. But a lot of the offensive woes did have to do with his footwork and him not setting his feet and the wide base. Now, whether that is because a lot of people were in his face or, yeah. or what, but it did, it did mess up some of his throws. So that was a little bit of, of an issue. Play calling probably got better as it went on. Mm-hmm. And I, I see weird tweets about <laughs> our team's lack of halftime adjustments, but I always see them at games where we do the halftime adjustments. So yeah. I don't, but not when the, the games where we don't do halftime adjustments. So right. I really, I don't, I don't get this fan base. What, why they're watching a different kind of game? I feel like that I'm watching, but yeah. to me, it, it was just, it's the kind of win you kind of wanted this team to. Sure, they they come out and win thirty eight to seven against the Jets. We're happy, but then you're you're still kind of wondering. Well, what does that really prove? I mean, it is the Jets. I mean, is this a team? Is this still a good team? I mean, they blew out a bad team. I mean, we lost to the Bills. Mm-hmm. To me, a come-from-behind, hard-fought victory where we had halftime adjustments and overcome adversity, well, that's a pretty nice win to have, knowing that your team, you know, we just saw them when they went down, they just to- on Monday Night Football just totally buckle. Right. And this time they didn't. Right. So, to me, it's, you know – yeah, it's, I think it's a positive. It's definitely a positive. It's a positive. It really it's is. It's a weird positive. It, it's a weird – it's a very weird positive because, you know – You don't want to be in that spot. Right. But. I mean, you know, it's like finding that your girlfriend survived the house fire, but she burned your house down. It's like, well, you shouldn't have been smoking in bed. But <laughs> – I'm glad everything's okay. I'm glad everything's okay, but look what you've done to the fucking house. Yeah. But – no, but um, – Speaking of the house fire, I wanted to <laughs> – I want to I want to kind of dive into that first half that we saw. And 
it was a total collapse on all three sides of the yeah. ball. On all three phases. And, of the and they're saying the the punt that got blocked that everybody came out today and said was a fake punt because it looks like that, you know, Bayard and... Uh, Trollwick. Yeah. 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 They went out for a pass. But then Coach Vrabel, you know, whether dumb or smart, I mean, this, I find it kind of dumb, says, oh, no, that wasn't even supposed to be a fake. <laughs> I would have rolled with it. I, I would mean, not because because <laughs> I mean, now you look like a, your your special teams is a bunch of fucking idiots. Yeah, I think it's just uh, for whatever stupid reason. I think it's just to try to get other teams to question it. Yeah, like oh well, they said it wasn't a fake, but clearly it was a fake. But it, yeah, I I think it was clearly meant to be a fake. Vrabel's not going to admit it, and I don't think he's doing it to not admit up to something. I think it's just the the head the. Belichick head game crap. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's what that is. We also had a point after that was blocked, and we also had that uh, Andre Roberts forty yard kick return, which was not great. So yeah. I just we've been okay in special teams. We haven't been good. We haven't been bad, but it was just interesting to see that happen. And that's what that's what ultimately drives me nuts about this team. And the one big thing that I want this team to fix by the end of the season and not discuss it anymore going forward is why do we have these weird collapses at different parts of the game? Why do two aspects of the game work and the special teams dies in the street? Like why, why, why is it suddenly our wide receivers can't catch for three games? And now that seems like that was eons ago. It seems like that was last season at this point because our wide receivers are just not dropping the ball. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why we have these weird collapses. It's like, it's like when one part of the game is is going great. Mm-hmm. It's like it steals a life force. Yes. It's from whack-a-mole. another part. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. whack-a-mole. Yes, yeah. it's like an RPG. You're having to pull points out of one stat to fix another, and all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> my perception sucks, and I can't steal anything. Yep. Uh, it was another bad day for the for the run defense. Yeah, I mean, uh, Zaya Crowell got uh, 98 yards rushing, which is not good. He's not. An elite running back by any standards, I would say. Yeah. Um, but Jayon Brown showed up again. Rashawn Evans showing up. Yeah. Uh, a big thing about Rashawn Evans is, is since week seven, he's the seventh best linebacker according to PFF and the second best run defender. He's got a 90-point-something grade yeah. in, in run defense. And Jayon Brown, I think, walked away with the highest grade out of both sides of the ball for this particular game with oh, 90, wow. 92, and Malcolm Butler was 91. And we'll get to Malcolm Butler later. But, um, yeah, so them two right there in the middle of that defense, I, I think that's your starting – that's who you need to start from here on in. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's a weird stat – Rashawn had half the team's tackles or something like that, but he only played like half the defensive snaps. Wow. So it's some it's something weird there where he's not seeing the field enough in my opinion. Yeah. But who do you you replace Wood? Yeah. It, it, Wood's 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 a fill in. He's now rotational guy. Yeah. I mean it's his eleventh year in the league. I mean, this is this was bound to happen sooner than later. Yeah. Um so let's talk about Mal- Malcolm Butler and the uh, redemption. Well, I, I still think we probably should be starting LaShawn Sims over Malcolm Butler, right? <laughs> I don't think I so. Mean, oh, no? No. no? no. Nobody on this podcast has uttered that. <laughs> Certainly do no. I name Mr. Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> you know, week three, maybe? Yeah, don't go back and listen. Yeah, Strap had a good game. Uh, he, of course, got that weird pick at the end of the game, which seemed to be thrown to no one. 
Yeah, and he's just like 10 feet up in the air just catching this ball. Yeah. Um, that was the most Jets thing of all time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I want to go back to the offense, though. I thought Corey Davis, um, it's one of those things that I seem to think every single week I see him get the ball. Uh, there was a like jet sweep that he got the ball on. He ran yeah. it for like 15 yards or something like that. And I just it makes me sit there and wonder why we don't do more of that. Why we don't do wide receiver wide receiver screens to him because he is the big fast guy. He reminds me of like peak Demarius Thomas, where it's he's elusive as shit and he's hard to tackle. So I don't understand like why can't we get him the ball it, on these like easy yeah. Things, like know. high high percentage throws, right. screens, end around, stuff right. like that. But then but then you get in the thing where our offense is run, run, screen, right, run, right, run, right. screen, <laughs> right. run, run, screen. And well, maybe we know. don't run on second yeah, down yeah. like we have been. Yeah, or even sometimes for, or run on first. I, I think I think what we need to do. Yeah, I think I think this is. I kind of feel like how some of these offenses run in the NFL. All all the good offenses are con- constantly playing like they're they're behind. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're throwing deep shots, taking chances, yeah. and it's because they want to win the game, and they're going to start off, and they're not going to play from behind, but they're <clears throat> but they're acting like they are. They're like a dog backed into a corner. Yeah, I mean, it just to me, it seems like if we just act like at zero to zero, we were behind twenty points, this offense would be a whole lot better, and you would be able to be a little bit more creative. I think we're a little pigeonholed right now in our, our creativity, yeah. a little stunted. Yeah. yeah, that's and that's the. That's that's really the angle I don't want to see this team fall into is maybe I'm misremembering, but the you know the the Fisher era was always um, it always was designed around just like you were saying, not playing that you're, like you're behind, just playing just enough to get it done. Yeah. that's what this play calling has really felt like the last few weeks. I was watching the. Um, Steelers game last night. Keith was watching it with half an eye open. And uh, at one point, Keith had made a comment that it would be nice to have an offense like the Steelers offense that constantly plays in the play style that you're talking about, Zach, of aggressive, throwing the ball a lot on first and second down. Granted, obviously a different tool set, different offensive line, but still, you know, yeah. Roethlisberger and company are not afraid to come out and start slinging the ball 20 and 30 yards downfield, even with a lead or a tie or, you know, they're, they're constantly playing like they're behind. Now, of course, the second half of that game, the Steelers absolutely sprayed the bed. <laughs> However, I was asleep for that part. Yeah, yeah, point, <laughs> point being made is that um, when the Steelers' offense is clicking and they're moving the ball, they're playing like they're from behind, and and that's how I would like to see. Again, maybe that's wishful thinking, but I keep going back to this is the kind of growing pains I expected out of a team with a new coaching staff, and why I was so reluctant to get behind the oh well since we went to the playoffs last year it's got to be one better than this year for what reason why we yeah. just scraped the entire top off replaced it new schemes people got to get used to it, it it's also kind of a shameful nine and seven that we went last year no yeah. i mean tom savage J- jacoby Brissett, and blake bortles were the quarterbacks that we faced in our that division. is something that most titans yeah. fans conveniently <clears throat> leave out is that we advanced through the afc south with not a lot of competition at the quarterback. And, and to be honest, I'll take wins over the Patriots and the Cowboys over then and the Eagles over maybe any of the wins that we've had in the last right. two years. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we beat the Packers or smoked the Packers and the Seahawks, but that's two games over two seasons. Now we have three or four games like that in one season. Yeah. So I mean the quality of win yeah. is different. Yeah. Don't bring don't bring Malarkey back in. 
don't bring it up. I mean, it's just stupid. It's just we don't stupid. want him back. Uh, I want I want to talk about uh, Adoree Jackson in the in the special teams game. Yeah, uh, he got booed a lot, mm-hmm. and he made a comment uh, on Twitter uh, about getting booed, and, and when he called the um, fair catch with nobody around him, yep, and saying that we don't know what we're talking about. The fans didn't know what they were talking about. I mean, there's nobody within ten yards of you. I mean. Take take you. You should have said, yeah, probably should have ran that because that's why they're risking me being in here, risking mm-hmm. his health because he's supposed to be some punt oh, return magician. Yeah, and we haven't really seen that actually work. We've seen it. There's always a penalty when it's happened, but that sure. was last year. But this year, he's just getting killed for no reason. I think that's why the fair catch was really called. He's afraid of getting hit. Mm. I think that we just need to go Darius Jennings or Cameron Batson back there. Um, I think I think they both have experience, but I mean, just Darius Jennings on punt, and then we don't have to worry about Adoree Jackson. Yeah, I don't know where was that fair catch call made. Do you remember? Do you think I re- fucking remember? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. Yeah, well. I, I would never. I listen. I would never. That's why remember, I asked. Yeah, I would I never actually, remembered anybody booing him if he didn't bring it up on Twitter. I do. I do remember where a couple of the fair catches were because they were in the line of sight of me looking for jerseys. So uh. Uh, they were, if I recall correctly. Both of them were between the 20 and 30. Gotcha. And he had quite a bit of room in front of him. Yeah. I, I don't really want to get into trying to break down why a player would make that call. I just don't ever feel right doing it as being a nearly 300-pound man who has no sense in having a ball in my hands at this age. I, I The only time I'll defend the crowd with this is that, Adori, it's not necessarily that the crowd is booing you. It's they're booing the frustration of the things that have built up to you making that call. Yeah. They're not, if the Titans are ahead by 10 points or they're playing well in a tie and that kind of thing, and you make a fair catch there, you might hear a few gasps from the crowd, but it's not going to be some, some overall booing. And I am talking about the same fan base that used to boo Steve McNair. And it made me want to snap people's spines in half when I would hear people boo that man. But I actually will defend the Titans fan base on this. It's more about booing the overall frustration cap with the what looks like a questionable fair catch call. And, and to be fair, you didn't hear everybody boo. There were people who were just, you know, sighing and throwing their hands up in the air, <laughs> leaning back in their seats, and me being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I did start laughing <laughs> hysterically for quite a while in the third quarter when it was just completely off the rails. Yeah. So I, I do have to apologize for that one. Yeah, uh, I thought Johnny Smith had a good game. Uh, there were a couple of design plays that were just to get him the ball in space, which I'm excited about seeing because he's a very good athlete. And um, I, I did enjoy that, uh, in addition to, of course, hashtag get furked. Yeah, well, I, didn't, I don't want to steal his spotlight, but you know, show up to the podcast and you won't have your spotlight stolen. <laughs> but Anthony Ferkser's aunt reached out to him on Twitter, and he is now a part of the official Anthony Ferkser uh, family uh, fan club. <laughs> That's awesome. And so apparently Anthony's parents were at the game, and then, you know, of course, wearing Ferkser jerseys or whatever. Yeah. And they, she told Big Mike, this goes, they love that you're trying to get him in the Pro Bowl and everything, yeah. and they want you to come say hi to him if you see them yeah. out there. That's amazing. And of course, he didn't even go to the game. Right. <laughs> so he, damn. So, but yeah, I mean, she sent this big, long, nice little letter. You know, that's awesome. Don't know if she's going to listen to the podcast or not, but you know, we're all Ferkser fans here. Shut and, up. And, we, and really, I mean, he's he's 
despite all the funny stats that Big Mike put together, you know, to promote Anthony and stuff. Sure. I, I kind of start am starting to feel good about our tied in position as far as receiving group goes. Yeah. That I'm not too worried when Delaney comes back that we really need to draft a tight end or get a tight end in free agency. I think yeah. when you get Delaney back and you kick Stalker down to fourth string tight tight end, Stalker's a good fourth string tight end. I mean, yeah. But Ferkser, Janu, you know, Janu's supposed to be the next Delaney. Right. And we've seen him develop and get better in all facets of his game. So what you hope is Delaney comes back, finishes his career with us. Then when he leaves, you have – Johnu and Ferkser right. there to do to pick up the slack, and Johnu becomes the competent blocker blocker that uh, Delaney was. I agree, and I'll go I'll go back to Ferkser for a moment. I was on earlier recording with Buck uh, Buck Rising one hundred two five yeah. the game tackling Music City. Isn't that pronounced Rising? No, he hmm. says Rising. I believe. I think that's just you know. I think it's a little weird. I, I think don't he's think correct. Is. I'm going to trust him on how you pronounce oh, his you, name. You sure? Yeah. You're going to trust the actual <laughs> man with the name. It's like when people tell me, is your last name pronounced Gilliam? No, you know what? I'll tell you, we're going to go with the pronunciation that I've grown up with, so get out of my business. <laughs> well, but, there um, is a mystery eye in there. But Buck asked me, he said, <laughs> Ferks or Pro Bowl, are you on the train? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. He started dying laughing. And I said, listen, don't don't come at me, me, come at me with the craziness. Okay, this entire league is based around irrationality. This whole sport's based around irrationality. The NFL is essentially 32 franchise stores, franchise companies, and the only measure of success is, did you win me a championship? Congratulations, where's my next one? So yeah. don't come to me with this, you know, exasperation that Ferkser shouldn't be in the Pro Bowl. The whole Pro Bowl selection thing is a big popularity contest anyway. Right. So if we're going off that premise and we're going off the premise of irrationality like most every single fan base is, Put his ass in the Pro Bowl. Tell yeah. me why he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Gronk's not that good. I mean, for <laughs> this year, he's not. Right. So, I mean, in the AFC, you're looking at Travis Kelsey, George, you know, George Kills over in the NFC. And Anthony Ferkser. Eric, that's the only, yeah, that's Eric the only Ebron, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but, it's I mean, Ebron. I mean, Ferkser's, I mean, technically, probably in the AFC, in the AFC uh, conference is probably a top 10 tight end. I mean, it's not that crazy when you really think about it. No, listen, in all seriousness, to capitalize on what you were saying, I feel a lot better about the developmental path forward with the tight end that the Titans have than I did at the beginning of the season when Delaney Walker went down. When Delaney Walker goes down, I'm thinking – Jesus, the one position that we just can't afford yeah. to lose somebody. Who do we really have? So, and it, and it was really that way for the first five, six weeks of the season. Right. But I mean, Johnny's just—he's he's taking a up. step. He's yeah. taking a step. He's taking I mean, a step. Yeah, that, I mean, me and Lebowski were talking about this a little bit. Uh, I think it was yesterday. But uh, you know, assuming that Delaney comes back at around the same, uh, you know, level that he was at last year. And you get Johnny back, and hopefully he takes another step forward in the offseason. You get Corey back. You get Taewon. Hopefully Taewon takes a step forward. And obviously it's not that simple. It's not Madden. You're not going to progress plus two right. overall yeah. points every year or whatever. But you hope that you see continued development there. And if you do, that is the foundation of a good offense already. I was going to say, I mean, just think about the names that you, you drop there. And that's – well, call me a homer, but – that's a pretty good red zone 
attack. I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me cringe like it right. did at the beginning yeah. of the year. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, assuming we fix some of that interior offensive line stuff, and hopefully Jack Conklin comes back a little bit stronger next year, um, he didn't look good again. Yeah, he allowed, he was the only lineman to allow the two sacks. That's yeah. who that's who PFF credited was him. And to be honest, and this was one that my questions was going to be, but again, everybody ignored me. Um, <laughs> was when did he those two sacks happen? Because I really don't remember. So if those ha- two sacks happened before the the whole line switch, and then this line allowed zero sacks after the fact, I mean that's that's pretty good. That shows that. Somewhere along that line, it's just a chain reaction all the way that just fucks everybody up. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do want to. I do want to talk about the a little bit more about that uh, substitution where they pulled Spain. I just find it so weird that they've they pulled Spain for one bad game. He's been largely okay or He's above been average. Really good. At yeah. some of the games. Yeah, and so you pull him, but you don't pull Klein at any point during the season. That was my big question well, when I found out about it. There's a lot of conspiracy theory th- being flown or th- flown, thrown, thrown around. Flown, thrown. <laughs> yeah, flown, flown, pissed, thrown. pissed around, pissed around. Uh, that it's it's all money. They they're paying Klein. They yeah. don't want to pay Spain next. You know, in the off season because they're going to have to. Mm. So I think they're gonna try to make the Klein thing work at least for you know the sake of. Okay, so we paid him. Hopefully, he looks good. I yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't get it. And I know there's a I lot of managing egos yeah. in in that sort of thing, and nobody wants to be pulled. But it's just so odd. It is. It is weird. And then it's kind of the same thing with the Conklin struggling with you know replacing him with Kelly. I understand the want to. I understand that Kelly's played better when he's been in. But at the same time, you're you're messing with a guy's confidence. You're yeah. messing with his trust in the organization and. The coach, he thinks now the coaches don't like him or don't have his back. It's a whole fine line that you have to walk. Speaking of the offensive line, t- thoughts on the Taylor Lewan meltdown? Oh yeah, thing? how did we not get to that yet? Uh, oh, I Lewowski, thought we, do you I thought tell we were us? just saving the best for last. <laughs> do you want to tell us what happened? So, <laughs> so Lewan had some choice words for pretty much almost every single ref of the Jerome Bozier, um uh, crew. Re- crew last yeah. night went around to, from what I could tell on the video, and there is video, it went around to almost every single ref got in their face and told them that they sucked. And that, and I'm paraphrasing here, that they sucked, that they don't know how to do their jobs, that every time that the their crew is assigned to the Titans, they ruin the Titans game. and Which is so so true. I'm so glad it, a player it, finally it, realized it. It absolutely is true. It absolutely is true. And see, there's actually a moment, if you go back and watch the video, that Bozier is so incensed that he's even saying this. He's just got – Bozier always has that shit-eating look on his face anyway of I'm making the most idiotic call possible and I don't care what you think about me. But he really legitimately looks pretty pissed off that that Lawan is in his face. So Lawan proceeds to then – I don't know the exact time, but I think he then goes to the stands, tells his wife that we have a huge fine coming our way, <laughs> then goes in the locker room <laughs> – and is giving an interview to the press to where he's then going off about the ref crew again to where the Titans uh, PR, PR staff had yeah. to step in and kind of lightly, yeah. you know, goad him on to ending the interview. So he, um, he did take responsibility for his two calls, but he did say, you know, there's a reason why in four years these these fools haven't made it into, you know, made it to the playoffs or the Super Bowl because they're not good. Yeah. 
And and they're they were the same crew in Miami that was just atrocious and made some very questionable calls. I, I can understand him being particularly yeah. upset about that, considering that was the concussion game for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he, he basically said, "You guys try to take this away from us, and yeah. and you try to force us to lose every time." I mean, he's the opposite of Ed Hockley. If the majority of the league's fans know your name, that's not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I can say. Jerome Borger to most any Titans fan, and they know exactly who you're talking about, and they're going to roll their eyes. I was saying it to almost every single person in the, in our friends group in the box last night. Same thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, it just the reaction you get out of just saying the man's name, and it's because they're so his crew is so bad at their job. He is hell bent on personally calling every possible holding call ever. Yeah, his games are consistently the highest penalized games for both. Holding, and uh, I just had it on the tip of my tongue, but I believe it's personal fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I, my first reaction is to kind of step back and say, look, it is what it is. He's going to get fined. Lawan needs to know better. But, and and Lawan had, certainly has some blame to go around because he's had stupid penalties, but I'm 100% on his side with this one yeah. because – if this crew keeps going forward, and, and I believe it was Paul that brought this up, technically the way the NFL has it laid out is that if a NFL officiating crew does not officiate a playoff game in three years, they're supposed to be put under review and fired because that's a reward for them officiating good games, calling clean games, is that they get to call playoff games. Borcher's crew has not called a playoff game in five years. And this is the same NFL that fired half of an NFL crew in the middle of the season this year. Yeah, two for weeks one ago, bad call. For one bad call. So, what's the excuse here? Why are we leaving this jackass out here to just call the dregs of the NFL? Because unfortunately, the Titans and the Jets, the I didn't even get to see the Titans stat today, the Jets have had to put up with Borger's crew 22 times in the last, I forgot how many games it was, what, basically 22 games. They're, they've had 22 games of his on there, more than us. So why is this asshat still calling games? Yeah, I don't, know. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I really, I don't know. Unless the NFL really likes to see games that are bogged down to four and a half hours of holding calls. Yeah, and, and it's not just us. I mean, there, there was a group in front of us at the game, and, and as soon as he saw who was on the uh, Jumbotron flipping the coin, he was like, great. We've got Bozier. Yeah. Yeah, so I heard someone in the crowd yell out, it's Bozier time. I'm so looking forward to offsetting penalties and holding calls. And like, that's not the reaction that it yeah. – I mean, the, you know – You're infamous. Umpires, refs, officiating crews are supposed to be relatively invisible, like yeah. children should be. But, <laughs> but in all seriousness – they're not supposed to know your name. The only reason why we knew Ed Hockey Lee's name is because he was wearing guns. child's t-shirts and he had the guns. <laughs> yeah. Like Jerome Borger's name is known because he's a terrible official. And I'm glad that Lawan got his ass. Yeah. I, I'm glad that somebody's at least said it. It's on record now. So they can't say they didn't know. I, I just hope that that comes up at his yearly review when he doesn't make the playoffs again. I can't um, wait to see how much the fine is. Right. Over under 15-5. I think it'll be. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead it's, and give you. I'm gonna give you a number, Bob. Sixteen thousand five hundred. I'm gonna say because he got in their faces and then continued. I'm gonna say they're gonna give him the three thousand. I say because it was. 
that was considered week 13, right? Yeah. So it'll be $13,027. <laughs> Is that how they do it? <laughs> yeah. It's based on what week you did it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's, let's move on to uh, the near future. Thursday Night Football, we've got uh, Jaguars at the Titans. I really uh, What's your favorite opponent, yeah. Zebo? Well, I had this whole thing planned with if Blake Bortles was still their starter. Um, you know, it's easy like Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah it's going to be easy because it's Blake Bortles, and okay. I was going to do a song and everything. And then they put in Cody Kessler, and he wins 6-0 to zero yesterday. I mean, <laughs> fuck the NFL, first off. 6-0, to zero, the Colts decided that's the game yeah, that the they game decide that they're going to suck and look stupid. And the Jaguars like, well, I guess we better start playing football now that Cody Kessler's our alpha male. Yeah. Right. I mean, give me a break. I, I'm not scared of the Jags. You've Cody Kessler, Blake Bortles, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I think that for whatever reason, we just have their number, and it's just going to continue. We beat them 9-6 to six with no nothing on offense but a hampered Marcus and mm-hmm. Blaine Gabbert starting off the game. Right. I mean, I, I really do think we're going to win. It's prime time. Typically, Marcus, win or lose, is on his game on prime time, and that gives us our best chance to win. I uh, I agree. I think we still have the Jags number. Not not really too worried about the Titans in this one. The only thing that genuinely does worry me is seeing how the Titans struggled really until the fourth quarter again with the running game of the fucking Jets. And yeah. we're going to face so long as he doesn't run a stop sign and hit a school bus, Leonard Fournette, <laughs> who seems to get suspended for literally everything. So yeah, if Leonard Fournette is healthy and they get the run game going and the bad Titans run game defense shows up, that really could be an issue. But that's the only issue I see that the Jags could potentially throw at the Titans. I, I do think the Titans win this one. I mean, their defense did look great. I mean, it looked like – It looked like last year. You know, last year's defense. and But we also beat last year's defense. So – you know, I, all the good things you can say about the Jags, was, which is just that their defense is good and they can run the ball, uh, is stuff that they could do last year and stuff we right. still beat. Certainly. So it's not as it's not the same like when we beat the Colts last year and then we have Andrew Luck now this year. It's a little different. Same with having Deshaun Watson two times a game. Um, so, I mean, Cody Kessler, Blake Bortles, I put out a tweet. The, uh, when they announced it, or what's your expectations for Cody Kessler, Big Cat Country? And uh, I put, uh, his ceiling is bad Blake Bortles. His floor <laughs> is terrible Blake Bortles. So, I mean, so you're just, it's his first career win in eight games. Yeah. So, he's one in eight as a starter. I'm not scared of Cody Kessler. Is I'm not scared too, of any of their receivers. Is it too early to start calling him elite? <laughs> it may be a tad too early. Okay. Let's get, let's have him get three more wins, and we'll call him elite Cody Kessler. Yeah. I just need I, what I need out of Kessler is an interview where he drops a, a lovely bomb like uh, like Bortles did. Uh, piss. Can we please get that on the soundboard? By <laughs> yeah, the way, I'll, I'll try to get. That. Thank you. I need a Bortles uh, piss drop. Oh man, Her, the look on that poor interviewer's face when he said it. Yeah, so good. although her questions were about as intelligent as his life choices. So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I got to say, I think we, we walk away with this one. Um, it really, I the biggest thing I would want to see is aggressive offensive play early and not to get into a game where it would slog down. Basically, don't let what happened to the Colts happen to us. Don't turn it into like right. a a slugfest, a defensive struggle thing, because they're not going to be able to keep up with us offensively. And yeah. 
I mean, you got you got to load the box and make Cody Kessler beat you yeah. because that's not a thing that should happen. If, if we are if we are not just playing the run and going single coverage on the outside with their receivers, then what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, that's all you got to do is just stop the run. Yeah, just stop. I'm, it. I'm, I'm going to be an irate motherfucker if I have to get back on this podcast next week and talk about anything that involves Cody Kessler and Jaguars <laughs> win. <laughs> <laughs> we we may just not do the podcast. I'm, 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 you know what? <laughs> we may just be Big Mike and just skip. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're just gonna air about an hour of fart noises. I believe. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. We uh, we need we just we need a calm female voice next week for forty five minutes saying we regretfully inform you that the podcast <laughs> will not air this week. Please entertain yourself. We'll see you after. <laughs> well, uh, unless you guys have anything else to add, let's oh fuck the Jags. Oh yeah, right. Fuck fuck the Jags. I don't have anything else to add at this moment. Please tune in next week where we discuss the win over the Jaguars. All right. Well, thanks for listening, Effers. Um, We appreciate you guys listening. And uh, if you would please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would help other listeners find the pod and uh, grow our wonderful fan base. And we do have a wonderful fan base. You all have been reaching out to us, and we like it. So keep doing it. We are football and other efforts. Keep on going. I just accidentally Visit Music City Miracles. Uh, piss. Uh, piss. Up, Leonard Fermat just got suspended. (laughs) He was driving on a sidewalk with a bird scooter. It's illegal. Can't do it. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.